Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to episode 63. This is Darla. And before I jump into an amazing interview that I have today, which is a follow-up from last week, and it was an interview that I really felt the spirit so strongly as I interviewed, and I know you're going to love it. But before I jump into that, I wanted to give you an announcement that this is the last episode of season two. I'm going to be back with season three in September, but I'm taking a little break um, just to focus on my family. I have a missionary going out in August, and I want to spend some time with her and getting her ready to serve her mission and also to um, just focus on some other things and make the podcast even better in in a new season, um, coming back refreshed with a little bit of a break. So I will be back. I will still be on Instagram and Facebook, and I'll still be sharing things on there, but just going to take a few weeks off from the podcast. Thank you so much for all of your support, for your amazing reviews, for the DMs that I get, um, for your comments on social media and the messages that you send me. I am so grateful that I get to be a part of this and share these stories with you that are so important and that can that can change us and that can help us to know that God is our partner in motherhood. I look f- so forward to being back in September with more interviews and amazing things to share with you on this podcast. And now on to today's interview. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla. And as I say every week, I am so excited to be here. So last week I did an episode where we talked about how we can deal with our family members who don't believe the same way that we do anymore. And I had a listener call-in show and had some great people call in and share their experiences. And I wanted to go a little bit deeper on that today and talk a little bit more about it. And so I invited my good friend, Shelly Swap to come on the podcast and share some of her experiences and some part of her motherhood journey. And she is an amazing person. I love that I have gotten to get, get to know her through Instagram and through some other means. And so welcome to the podcast, Shelly. So happy that you're here. Thank you for having me, Darla. Well, let's just start off. Just introduce us to your family and to you. Tell, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I am a mom of four kids. Um, I have a hard time calling them kids now because they all tower over me. Um, but it's fun. They are teenagers and young adults. Um, we have a dog. We have 11 hens. Uh, we currently live in Salt Lake City. But I've um, been here about two years. We've lived in five states in 22 years of marriage. Um, so we average about three, three to four years in each state and then end up moving um, for mostly my husband's work. So. so you've had some experiences and you've had some time being a mother. So I'm excited to, to talk to you a little bit more about that. What do you love about being a mom? Um, you know, I think I love the perspective. Um, of, of raising kids where I am now. I, I've loved every stage, honestly, of being a mother, but, but this stage has been so humbling and so amazing to look and see the amazing spirits that my children are 
um, and not because of anything I did, but, but because of who they are inherently. Um, I had no idea how much I would get to learn from raising them and cheering them on and, and then now learning to make space for them as they are becoming adults and what we call practicing adults in our family. So when you talk about this stage of motherhood, you're talking about having teenagers, having them start to leave the nest and everything that goes along with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not uh, considered a young mom anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't have babies. I don't have kids in elementary school. I don't even have kids in middle school anymore. I've got two in high school um, and two that are out of high school, two that are in, in their adult years now. Yeah, that's definitely a new stage and, and every, things shift. It's not the same as when you have little kids. No. And it's funny because I'm still tired. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, you know, the house just rocks until all hours of the evening. And then, you know, somebody's got to be up early for practice. And so it's a, it's a different, it's a totally different kind of exhaustion, but it's fun. It's really fun. It's fun to have the house full of, of teenagers and young adults and um, I love it and getting to hear their perspectives and and their opinions and, <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, I really like that. I had a conversation with one of my children who is going to leave home next year and, you know, just said, you know, my job now is kind of to step back and to be more of a guide and to let you kind of make your own decisions. And, you know, I'm still going to be here. Of course, I don't think mothering ever ends, but, and the look on his face when I told him that was like, oh, really, I have to start making my own decisions. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, you do. But it really is. It's a very rewarding time. I love, I can totally relate to what you said. It's really great to see who they really are. And it's not because it's not so much of what you did for them, but just how they came and who they are. And it's really great to start seeing more and more of that as they start to spread their wings and, and do more. Absolutely. It's a really amazing time. Yeah, I I would totally agree. So as your children, they're leaving home, they're going to go off and do their own things. What do you hope they remember about you as a mom? I think like most moms, I really hope they know. I think they have, I, I hope they have some understanding as to how much I love them, that they are absolutely loved unconditionally without question from top to bottom, inside and out. And that I am, um, I'm very proud of them. And I hope that, that they'll also know that I have an enduring testimony of loving heavenly parents that are watching out for them all the time. Um, Even when they aren't so sure about that, I hope that they can rely on my testimony um, as they go forward and uh, have to experience life just like we all have. Right can remember that uh, I taught them that they have someone that's looking out for them when their dad and I are not near and that they will that they will be led and are entitled to those inspirations um, as they go through life that's that is so so wise um there's nothing better that you can teach your kids and to know that they have someone perfect that they can rely on that's that will always be there for them even when you're not there because that's the stage that you're at they're they're leaving and and you can't always be there guiding them and helping them like you did when they were small so I love that that is a great legacy to leave for your children let's talk about some of the challenges that you faced as a mom um yeah I I think I've shared on some blogs and some other podcasts recently on kind of the early stages of our challenges. 
So I think I'll jump more to some more recent ones, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. We, and if you have other interviews that we can link up in the show notes, people can go hear more of your story. We'll do that. Absolutely. Um, so like I said, we've moved quite a bit in the years that we've been married. Um, our children have lived all over the country from coast to coast and it's been a really wonderful ride, but it can be a really, it's been a really challenging ride at times too. And about two years ago, we made the move from California to Utah. Um, we loved California, but uh, the home that we had rented, moving there from Florida, kind of you know, thinking we would rent for a little while and see where we wanted to be and not quite understanding how intense the market was there in, in the Bay Area. Um, so we were renting, we really loved the area and our landlord called kind of out of the blue and said, hey, I've decided I'm gonna sell the house um, and we needed to be out. And so after a lot of prayer and counsel as a family, um, we decided to move back to Salt Lake City. We hadn't lived here for some time, but we have, uh, my husband and I are both from here. So both of our parents are here and we have some additional family here. And our kids had some friends that we've kept in touch with when we lived here previously about 10 years ago, because the way things were shaping up in California, we were going to have to move to a completely new area in order to afford a home. Um, so the kids were gonna have to start over school-wise, um, church, community, friends, and everything. And we figured if they were gonna have to start over somewhere, we might as well come to a place where we knew we could afford a home, where they could have an opportunity to recreate some connections with grandparents who've been gone for so long. And my husband has the option of working from Salt Lake and still continuing to commute to California. So, um, so we, we ended up moving back here actually two years ago last week. Um, prior to our move, our daughter had sustained some pretty severe head injuries from uh, some chair leading accidents and a diving accident. Um, and it, it left her in a position where she really wasn't able to do a lot of the things that she had loved. And anybody who has been through head injuries with, with teenagers or even adults, um, it really changes people. Um, severe concussions can really rock people's world, mental, their mental health, their, their capacity to, to think straight. Um, and she was really struggling with several things. She was struggling to get back into school. She had lost her, some of the things she loved to do. And she was looking forward to a fresh start here in Utah. Um, our oldest son had graduated from high school in California and was accepted to BYU-Idaho. So he moved with us from California and then moved straight up to start school in Idaho. And we were excited to be closer to him than we would be if we'd stayed in California. And then our, our three teenagers, our daughter who was a junior, and then our two sons who were, I believe, seventh and ninth grade, um, started into school. And it, it was tough. It was a lot tougher than we anticipated. And I think part of it was the age. Um, moving kids in high school is, is challenging. I think everybody knows that. Um, making new friends can, was never, has never been a challenge for them in the past. But I think we moved into a really stable community here in Salt Lake where people didn't move a lot. And so there wasn't a lot of room for them, I guess, is, it, is a, a good way to say it. People, you know, had pretty stable relationships, kids they'd grown up with their whole life. And so all three of my kids had a really hard time 
breaking into the community here. Um, our daughter went from being a varsity cheerleader and in student government in California to having no one to sit with at lunch and just really started to spiral. Um, and at the same time, our, our, our ninth grader who is a special needs, um, he uses a wheelchair and has some, um, he's a degenerative disease that he is quite amazing with, but he became really sick to the point where um, we were for six months um, working through the night, day and night to keep him well every three hours working, you know, therapy and, and things to keep his lungs open. And, and kind of, we were quite literally in the battle for his life physically and for our daughter's life mentally. Um, and our younger son also was struggling with school and with teachers and, and in a way that he never struggled before. He's very bright and usually teachers love him. And we were able to make some swift changes for him, but we, um, we were really in the depths with those two middle children. And then what we didn't realize is at the same time, our oldest, who was up in college, um, was going through a faith crisis of his own. So we, we kind of were thrown into the fire. How's that? As far That's, as yeah, like you had <laughs> every child with something. And so how did you deal with that? How did you, I mean, did you approach it one at a time? Did you try to deal with it all together? You know, what, what was your approach to that? Well, you know, you don't really have a choice in those situations. It, it was a daily battle. Really, the word battle is, is the only word I can use to describe it. And, and we were very fortunate to get some help. Um, we got into a therapist who was able to help us with our daughter, um, but it, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of work, um, a year of learning to make changes in our parenting. Um, and then we also started some therapy as a couple I don't think you can go through those hard things without it. It, it puts stresses. It, it puts an immense, immense amount of stress on every single relationship. And so, you know, to be completely honest, we did a lot of work with um, our marriage and learning to to better communicate and better understand and better to just make space for each other. And at the same time, learning to do the same thing with our children. Um, we had to completely way, change the way we functioned as a family and as a couple. Um, in order to to get through it, it changed the way we understood the gospel. Um, fortunately for us, our, our middle son was able to get well and get back to school towards the end of that first year of of school. He made it back about a couple of weeks before school got out. Um, and our daughter, it took longer. She just graduated, but she made some great progress and um, was able to graduate this last year. And then our oldest son came home from school and that's when we found out earlier this spring that he had been through a pretty major faith crisis um at the same time that we were all kind of struggling and and we were able to put the tools into place that we learned with our other children uh, to help us navigate that big change in his life so you went through this is a really intense time of of a lot of things at once and so you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but you, you know, you said that it changed your um, perspectives on the gospel of creating space in your marriage, all of those things. How did it change your perspective and your approach to motherhood? You know, I, um, it, it's a hard thing to, to admit, but I really, for the longest time believed that if I did all the things and, and you know what I mean by all the things, 
So like there's a checklist and if you check all these things off, then the reward will be these perfect kids. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) do we ever hear that? Kind of. Yeah. You kind of just, we, we get so focused on, okay, family night and scripture study and seminary and getting to the temple regularly. And we, we did all those things. Um, getting to church on Sunday, serving in our callings, um, you know, all the things, you, you know, them. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. here in the gospel. And I was a little, um, I think we were mad at it yeah. at and questioning, I, you know, we paid our tithing, we've served diligently, we, we did all the things. And and for some reason, I think we have this really false notion that, that we do all those things and we're guaranteed something at the end, um, which is, you know, an outcome of children that will turn out the way that we want them to. Yet, that's not at all what the gospel is about. And we have fought, we fought valiantly in the preexistence for agency. So of course we should value that now. Um, and so learning that, that really the true test of motherhood is who I become. Um, and the true test of fatherhood is who my husband becomes and not who my children become is, is why we do all those things. Um, and, and to give them, we, we do all those things to give them a foundation. So that as they begin to make those choices that are their own, as they become what we call agents unto themselves, that they have the very best foundation we could possibly give them. And, and I do think that we made mistakes. I'm not going to say that we were perfect parents. I don't know if there are perfect parents. I know there were definitely parents who are better at what they do than what we did, but, but we didn't ever not love them. And everything we did was, um, out of an eagerness for them to succeed and to fill the spirit and to be successful in their, their futures. But I don't know that we always did it the right way. Um, and I, I feel like we have learned over the past year that all the things aren't as important, aren't as important as the relationships that we have with our children. How do you preserve those relationships when I mean, it's hard in our culture to see your kids not following what you've always taught them. I mean, I know you've told me before where you live, kids are constantly going on missions and, you know, all these things that you've hoped for your, the whole life of your children would happen and aren't happening. You know, how do you deal with that? And how do you preserve the relationship that you have with them, even though they aren't doing exactly what you had hoped for them? I think some of the lessons that we learned um, over the past couple of years have been so helpful. Um, one is that I really don't think Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother and our, you know, our, I don't, I don't think they sit up there and wring their hands and worry. I really don't think they're worried. I, I think we've been taught our whole lives that we have this all-knowing, we have these all-knowing Heavenly Parents, and things will work out for all of us that we will all be, we all get to be down here learning the lessons that we need to learn. Some of us will skip some of the harder ones. Um, 
in some ways and others will need to go through them in order to learn them. And in our, our heavenly parents are not worried at all. They've put everything into place and they can take everything we do and turn it towards our good. Um, and when I keep that in the front of my mind, that helps a ton to not freak out. Um, we're big fans of the Light the Fight podcast, if you're familiar yes. with. Oh, I love Light the Fight. It's a great <laughs> podcast. Yes. And, and you know, to be completely transparent, we are swaps. So Heidi is um, a cousin. And so that has also been a very close journey that they've been on with our family. Our children are the same age. Our older children are all the same ages um, and know each other. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the other piece is to, to recognize that in the same vein that our children are all on their own journey. Um, and it's not about us. You know, as they go through these painful things, trying to keep in perspective that, that their suffering and being there for them is more important than worrying about how it looks or how it reflects on us. Because really, when it comes down to it as a parent, that doesn't really matter. What really matters is how your kid is, is getting through the day. And, and it must be really, really hard. If, if they're in a place where they don't feel like they can come and be part of a, a church congregation that they've been raised in, um, a community that they have been a part of their whole lives, or that must be a really awful place to be. It must hurt so much. and. And to keep that perspective as to how they're feeling instead of focusing on, on all your fears, you know, what might happen is, is a lot easier way to, to, to focus on the relationship and to focus on them. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like, tell me if this is right. I, what I'm kind of hearing you saying is you kind of have two choices. You have the choice to worry about what other people think of you, or you have the choice to and maybe worry is not the right word, but to just worry what Heavenly Father thinks of you and and what he uh, what his perspective is. So those are your two choices. You know, is it the world or is it is it God's view of you and your motherhood? Absolutely. And I think the other piece that has come many times um, as a great sense of comfort is the Book of Mormon. And I know that sounds really funny, but it's an entire book about families that were fighting valiantly to keep their children in the gospel or to share the gospel with them. You know, it starts out with Lehi and Sariah and Nephi and the, you know, Laman and Lemuel. And Lehi's a prophet, picks up his family and he leaves Jerusalem to save them. And, and, and he has two of his sons who, who struggle with their testimony and ultimately leave the church and then become incredibly, um, they fight against the church. And we don't love Lehi less because of that. No. We love the fact that Nephi and his children continue to care for and pray for their cousins and their loved ones throughout that entire book. You know, the story of Ammon and and, and going over to the Lamanites, you know, it's a story. And then when you realize that those are his cousins, those are, those are his, those are his family members that they were going after. Um, I, I think that that is 
the Lord's way of saying, it's okay. I know this is going to happen. And it happens to everyone. He doesn't have all of his children believing in him here on this earth. Um, and we don't think less of him because of that. If we can put that away and, and not focus on, on how we think others may perceive us and maybe quit judging other parents whose children are leaving. Because um, I think that's part of it too. I think we do tend to look at people whose children are leaving and we kind of avoid them um, in many realms in our culture. It, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I love I love that. I love that the Book of Mormon, that it's powerful. And ironically, I was preparing for this interview today and I was reading about Lehi and I found a talk. I'll have to link it up in the show notes. And it was from quite a few years ago, but he talked about Lehi. And the thing that he brought he brought out in that talk was that how Lehi exhorted um with the all the tender mercy of a parent, right? <laughs> Is that the word? Am I saying that right? So not only do we have, you know, we have this incredible story to show us, we have a way, we have someone that can show us how to do it. Like he wasn't perfect. Lehi wasn't perfect. I mean, we have points where he murmured and, you know, but man, he is such a great example of how to deal with that. And there's others, you know, look at, look at Alma when he was exhorting his three sons and he had one that was wayward and, you know, how he approached them all individually. I love that story. Um, you're right. The, the Book of Mormon has power to help us through that. So how have you used the Book of Mormon? Like, do you say, I'm going to read it every day or do you look for topics? How do you use it? You know, I have, um, the Book of Mormon has been a huge part of my life since I was a really young woman. Um, and I, I can, to be honest, I haven't focused as much on it in the past year as I have the Bible. Um, I've become very, very passionate about getting back to understanding the Bible. Um, last year, I joined some Bible studies online. Living in the South, you know, the very first thing, it's really wonderful. When we moved to Florida, the very first thing, and Virginia too, I, the first thing that I was invited to by my neighbors was Bible study. You, and, you, you know, you just, everybody goes to Bible study. That's great. And, and it, it just we don't do that here in Utah. <laughs> you know, we don't do yeah. that in, in a lot of these cultures, but in the South, it's, it's very much a part of the culture there that you go to Bible study and, um, and Wednesday night is youth night and everybody goes to camp in the summer. And, um, and I, I just missed it. I, I, we lived in California for several years and I came back to Utah and I found myself just at a place where I needed to reconnect to those stories. And so I have been deep, deeper in the Bible, um, but I've been so grateful for, as I've been reading about, about Jesus and his life and about Ezra and about the women in the scriptures as of those days and how they handled so many things so gracefully and all the people that Jesus met where they were. You know, there's no stories about Jesus going and sitting in church and clean clothes and behaving reverently I don't know why yeah. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of time for that but um all the stories about are about him and the and, and going out and and caring for people and as a mother whose children are not in a place where they feel like they belong in this community where we go to church every Sunday um I really 
they have loved that example. Give them permission to, after them, meet them where they are. And if it's sitting down and you know, having my herbal tea while they drink their coffee or, or whatever it is that we need to do so that they know that we love them and that we accept them and that they're always welcome in our home um, has helped me reconnect to the gospel and reconnect to those stories of the Lehi and Alma and, and the Good Samaritan and, and the prodigal. The, the, I have such love for the parents of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. You know, we focus so much on, on some of those pieces of the story of him coming back and everything, but, but I know that those parents spent a lot of years praying for that child to come back and probably making big changes so that when he did, they would be ready to put their arms around him and rejoice at his willingness to come home. I love that. And guess what? I read about the prodigal son today too. <laughs> it was in the same talk. I'm going to have to link it up. I'll send it to you so you can read it. Um, but, you know, and it was, it was also, he was pointing out in that talk about the story of the prodigal son. Um, well, two things. First of all, that how did that son who went away know that he could come back? He knew who right. his father was from the time that he had spent in his home and he knew his father loved him. Right. So everything that you're saying is right on, like just letting our kids know that we love them. What you said at the very beginning that you hope your kids will always remember, you know, that, that you have a love for them that isn't going to change by what they do. So I think that's a key part of that story. And then also the part about the, the son who was still at home and doing everything, you know, what, what do we learn from him about how we can treat those that come back or that, or that those that maybe haven't come back and, you know, how, how can we do that? That, that is such a good story. And I love your focus on learning about those stories from the Bible and about the savior's life and so much that we can learn from that. As our family, we focus so much on the Book of Mormon that um, I think we missed teaching those stories of Jesus to our children. Um, and so it's, I'm just grateful to have that opportunity now. And it, I have um, I have several friends who are in the same boat right now as we are with children who have decided that this isn't the place for them um, in the gospel. But, but we joke and say, but everybody can get on the Jesus train. You know, everybody can get behind that. And so we can sit down and talk about how the savior loved people and, and, and focus on that and not focus on a specific religion or a specific church or anything like that. We can, we can all come together around, around our savior and the love that he's, that he shares for everyone. Yeah. I think it, I think it's so remarkable that we're doing come follow me and that we started come follow me with the new Testament. I have loved it. I have absolutely loved it. And like you said, making sure that our kids know those stories and, you know, understand them. And it is a, it is a common ground that we can build um, with others, whether it be our family or people around us. It's so great. You know, you mentioned that you have other friends that are going through similar things. Um, What would you say to offer hope to a mother who, you know, is feeling like, Hey, I've checked all these, I've got the checklist. I've checked everything. And my kids aren't turning out how I had hoped. What, what would you say to that mother to give her hope? You know, if you don't mind, I think I would share something that my son shared with me last night because I sat down with him before this interview and wanted to let him know 
that we would be speaking and, and make sure he was okay with it. Um, and wanted to his perspective on, on what I could share um, that would be helpful. And, <clears throat> and he said, mom, can you just let them know that just because they leave the church, it doesn't mean that they're bad people and not everybody who leaves is because of sin. Mm-hmm. You know, we automatically, we, we do really have this kind of underlying belief that if people leave the church, it's because they're sinning. And I can tell you that my son is one of the best people I know. And my daughter is, has got a heart of gold. Um, and uh, I know that if they left, that it wasn't because they just got up one morning and decided it wasn't fun anymore. I know that it's been a really heart-wrenching journey for them. And I also know that that's probably the journey that they need to take in order to become who they need to be. And I hope that if there are other mothers out there in the same boat, that they can recognize that their children will probably learn things or will very much learn things on the journey that they're on that they couldn't learn any other way. And that they'll, at some point, if we allow them, be able to bring those gifts back to us as a community, as families, as a culture, and hopefully as into the church. when, if, and when that time comes. I also really loved, there's one little spot, a little piece from this last general conference. I believe it was Elder Iring. I should have looked it up. Um, who talked about years ago as he was agonizing over, you know, family members who were leaving and what do we do, you know, if they don't come back or how do we guarantee that they come back? And I should have looked it up. I'm sorry. We'll have to link to it. But no, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But he was counseled that we're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, we have those of us that have that have had the opportunity to be sealed in the temple. That covenant it extends to our children based on our worthiness, and that they will that that door will always be open. And I think the Book of Mormon. Um, and the, the New Testament both continue to teach that to us over and over again, that those beautiful, loving arms are always open and that the Lord is always reaching and offering goodness to our children and to us, regardless of where we are on our faith journey. Yeah, I love that. That's something that's been coming to me over and over in the last few weeks is that no one is unreachable to the Savior. He is there for for anyone and for everyone. And I, I love that you're giving that hope to someone else, that you're sharing that. Thank you so much. And thank you for your son, for his perspective. I think I think that's an important message for us to know is that it's not always about sin. And to look at it from their perspective, here's something that they've grown up with and they're leaving behind. And that has to be incredibly hard. Well, can you imagine? I mean, we are so, it is such a huge immersive culture. Our our church culture is, you know, we've moved, like I said, so many times and, and it's been an instant family everywhere we've moved to, to immediately have people who are there helping us find a place to live, helping us get moved in, helping us, you know, get our kids connected to different things and to walk away from that is not an easy thing 
it's a very lonely road and I'm watching him do it. And I have great admiration for his willingness to do it because this is not a rebellious kid. Mm-hmm. No, this is a really deep, sensitive soul who has decided that he can't be here anymore. And I know a lot of it's the culture. I know a lot of it is, as he shared with me, is he can't be a part of what he's seeing. Um, I hope that at some point that changes, but if it doesn't, I don't think it will ever change the fact that he is a really good man and that he will do a lot of good and will love deeply um, and live as close to the way that he feels the savior would want him to live as possible. Um, and and I, I don't think he's alone. I know he's not alone. Mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of others that are in that same boat and are, are feeling very lonely and they shouldn't. They shouldn't. They should still feel very loved and very welcome in our communities. I don't know how to help them but I'd sure like to try. And, and if it just means giving other moms the courage and linking arms with them to say, I know you have a great kid too, even though they aren't doing what we had maybe envisioned them doing at this point in their life. They, we have been promised for a long time that this is an amazing generation. And maybe some of the things that they are seeing that are not that they aren't able to metabolize or that they're not able to um, make sense of and are, are causing them to leave this church, maybe those things have to happen in order for us to become a better people. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly are a lot more willing to do that for our children than we are for anyone else. Yeah, it's it's true. We're all needed. We're, there's a place for all of us. And I kept thinking as you were talking about this and your relationship with your son and, you know, you knowing that he is a good person and for him to have that knowledge that you, that you feel that way, but also that you love him and maybe he'll come back and maybe he won't, who knows, but you love him no matter what. And I think I I know that of you and from the things that you've shared today. And I think that that is just a key thing that you are preserving those relationships and that you are showing that love. I hope so. I hope it, Ultimately, that's what they feel the most from us is not disappointment, not disgust or anything like that, that they just know that we love them and that we are proud of them and that we're in their corner. Right. And, you know, we talked at the beginning about how motherhood is not dependent upon how our kids turn out. It's more about us, right? It's about us learning and growing and how, you know, how are we going to turn out, I guess, basically. And those experiences that your kids are having can shape you as well, can give you things that you need in your life. All oh, of us. Absolutely. In my work, I'm amazed at how often um, I have opportunity to sit with people who have left our faith. Um, I work as a, as a, as a botanical medicine specialist, I'm a clinical herbalist. And so I get to meet with people from all different walks of life as they um, end up in my, my office. And, and I can't tell you how many times they've said to me, well, you know, you know, they end up sharing part of their journey with me. Um, and, and, and I can put my arms around them and tell them, don't worry. If you knew my story, if you knew anything about our family, you wouldn't worry about 
how I feel about what you've just shared with me. I, I know that you are, are doing the best you can, you know? Yeah. And I, I know that you are a wonderful person and, and I admire you for, for everything that you're doing and, and how often it comes into play that we can put our arms around so many people, even if they're not of our faith. Um, and especially if they're not of our faith and just link arms with them and, and know that we're all doing the very best we can. Yeah. Yeah. Really taking that judgment out of it and loving as the savior would love. Well, Shelly, we're out of time and thank you so much for just being, your heart is just always in the right place. And I love that you're so willing to share and offer hope to other people. Um, it's not easy to share your own story. And so I really appreciate that. But I do have one final question for you. And that is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? Oh, darling, that is such a big question. Um, and one that I love that you ask. I think the thing that I have seen over and over again is that the Lord puts things in our path and that we don't recognize that they're heaven sent until often many years later. Um, I can see that again and again with the people that, that have come into my life, even as a young child, and then have resurfaced again in my adult years to give me hope that the Lord is there. Um, and, I, and I've been so grateful for that because I know if he can do it for me, who's just a mom, who's just someone getting through the day, that he can do it for my children and that there will be people along their path as well, um, that heaven is so close. I think so much closer than we realize when we take the time to, to recognize those, I suppose we call them tender mercies and angels here on earth that have been around for a long time. Yeah. I love that. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I am so grateful. I feel like I've never said this before on a podcast, but I feel like this has just been a sacred time to talk to you and, um, I'm really grateful for the spirit that's been here and know that you're going to give hope and, and hopefully, hopefully this episode will help someone else. So thank you so much. Darla, thank you for being willing to talk about these really tender subjects. I'm really grateful for it. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.